0: Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you experts from the media industry to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Last month, the Financial Times announced it had hit 1 million paying digital subscribers, which it described as a significant moment in its digital transformation. And that transformation has no plans to slow down. Last week, it brought out a fresh news app, the FT Edit. There, audiences will pay a fraction of the price for a standard subscription, and instead receive 8 handpicked stories to make sense of the news of the day, every day. For an organisation that publishes 200 daily stories, that's quite the whittling down process. Here to talk to me more about what stories make the cuts, and which ones don't is the editor of FT Edit, Malcolm Moore. He tells me about how the app will attempt to build a relationship with audiences, either on the go or on the fence, about paying for news. All of that's coming up after this. Welcome. Welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Thanks so much for jumping on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um would you mind telling our audience a little known fact about you?
1: Um well, uh, I'm half Singaporean Chinese. So, um obviously all Singaporeans are obsessed by food. So, I am very much a foodie. Um and I've been lucky enough to be a foreign correspondent in China and in Italy. So, those are two of the best greatest you know uh, oldest food cultures uh, in the world
0: you must have a very sophisticated palate.
1: Uh, i don't know about that but um, but i have been trying to persuade um, the ft to um, make me their food correspondent for years now but it's totally failed uh, I, i've yeah they've always said no
0: fingers crossed fingers crossed um favorite dish what comes to mind
1: um i mean i'm a big fan of chinese food and um, so we cook quite a lot of chinese food um, I'd have to say um, Hong Ro or red braised pork. Um, it's pretty fatty, totally delicious. Probably not right for spring, but yeah, that would be, be up there.
0: Sounds delicious. Let's kind of get to the key question uh, of today, which is around the launch of the FT's uh, latest app, FT Edits. Um Let me start off just by asking you this quite simple question. How many stories a day does the FT actually publish?
1: Yeah, um, over 200 stories a day. I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I imagine it's it's a bit of a headache now that you've got to sort of whittle that down to eight um of the of the kind of key stories of the day for your mobile readers on the FT edit.
1: No, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic job. So um, you know, um I, I was reading across the whole FT before I started this job. But now it's my job to read everything, so I read absolutely everything. And um, you know, it's it's. I, I guess it is tough. Like there's so much good stuff, it's really hard to whittle it down to eight, just eight. But um, but it's a lot of fun trying.
0: Can you walk me through your workflow then? How do you manage it?
1: Um, so we have a team um, at the moment. It's me and Elizabeth Pears, who's doing it, and uh, Janine Gibson. Obviously, you know, in the morning we'll obviously listen into morning conference. We'll see what the big stories of the day are um we'll want to know who is doing what get a little taste of what's coming up for the following morning's edition uh and then over the course of the day um you know we'll dip in and out of the flow out of the content management system we'll be reading through everything that comes across we'll be reading ahead as well so you know seeing what stories have been commissioned that you know are entering into the system that will come up in a week's time both of us um, read everything And then we get together for chats throughout the day, I'd say, flag pieces to each other, say, you know, I've seen this one, uh, I've seen that one. And then towards the end of the day, after an afternoon conference, when we've got a clear sense of what the following morning's homepage is going to be like, uh, we'll we'll have a meetup and sit down and think about what's going to go in. So we've got a planning system that's now inside the CMS. So we're dropping stuff into the planning system all the time. And that also allows, obviously, other people to see what we're thinking. Most importantly, um, Kari Ruth Pedersen, our visual editor, she's obviously thinking about the images that are going to go with each story. So she needs to have a quite a, a, as long a possible runtime to make sure those images are as sparkling as
0: possible. Super. Does that mean you can kind of see across the week you can reserve maybe a, a particular article for Thursday of that week because you know it's going to be important.
1: Absolutely. So you know for uh, a good example is um, you know, for 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 the Oscars last Sunday, mm-hmm. we knew we had this piece uh interview with Jane Campion. So we dropped that in the Friday before the Oscars.
0: Super example. Uh is it kind of a process of elimination or is it kind of you you see a story and you go, ah, that has to go in the app kind of thing
1: yeah I think more the latter, right? And, and but I mean, I would say we're right at the beginning of this process. So at the moment, um, it is basically just the team mm-hmm. picking by itself. We don't have any data. We've obviously this is our first. we' We've been live for a week now, so we've just accumulated users. Uh, and as we as we see what the users are starting to get into, then the process may change. Right. But at the moment, it's pure editorial judgment. So uh, and I think it really is here's a piece that I really want to share with other people. Of course, FT reporting is great across um, a whole range of subjects. Some subjects are going to be a little bit too niche. So we're looking for subjects that are broad enough to interest this new audience that we're going after. Mm-hmm. But but also, it's, it's the piece that you want your friends and family to read, right? Yeah. The piece that you would email to other people and say, you've got to read this.
0: So who is that audience? Who do you want to sign up to the FT edit?
1: Yeah, so... Um, the way that we've been thinking about it is, we are really confident that we know who the existing FD audience is, right? We've got years of data. Mm-hmm. We're really good at serving up the sort of content that is gonna keep them engaged. Uh, and it's a very specific sort of person. Uh, we like to think that current FT readers, the reason that they are willing to pay for the FT, and it's not an inconsiderable sum of money, is because they need the information in the FTE to do their jobs right? So they're professional readers, um, and they, they need that information to be able to carry out the work that they do. This new audience that we're going for, you know, we know we've got 26 million people following us on social media, right? So there are at least 26 million people out there who know what the FT is, and may have tried our journalism at some point, but, you know, faced with the high cost of a subscription have thought, do you know what, I can't justify spending that much money, but What they're after is they're after, you know, really deep, objective, uh, politically neutral uh, journalism. And we have a lot of it, right? But until now, we've kept it all within quite an expensive paywall. And this is really an experiment to see whether actually this journalism can appeal at a lower price point to that much wider audience.
0: It's a shrewd move by the FT. They've made the app free for the first month, and they're hoping as many of their 26 million social media followers take up that offer. After that, it's 99p a month for the next six months, and while it's not finalised, it's currently advertised as costing subscribers a fiver a month from there on. Converting just a small percentage of those social audiences would represent significant money for the organisation. To do that, they'll need to keep on perfecting the user experience, and that means getting story selection right. Looking at the app in closer detail, Malcolm tells me more about how he narrows down a selection of eight stories for the FD edit every day. Let's take, for example, the leading story on the day we spoke, which was titled Five Ways to Fight the Information War. This story grappled with our role as audiences in the inadvertent spread of mis- and disinformation. Over to Malcolm.
1: This piece in particular, we put it number one in the app today because... You know we're now a month into the conflict in ukraine um we've had obviously a lot of amazing coverage about what's going on there and and we're also i think this this war in particular everyone is so aware of the information war going around it because i mean obviously you can see the sort of information that russian state uh, media is feeding uh, to people in russia and you can see that in the west um you know intelligence agencies the MOD and others, they've been sharing intelligence much more quickly than in any previous conflict. The sort of ways in which social media has actually played a really important part in this war, I think is at the top of everyone's minds. And what we're trying to do with this app is we're not trying to give you the news, Right, you've you've got to go somewhere else to get your news. We're assuming that people who come to this app are already subscribers to, uh, you know, another British newspaper, or they're watching the BBC, or that someone else is giving them their primary source of news.
0: So this is a this is a supplement then in in many ways.
1: Absolutely, the need that we're trying to fulfil is okay. I've spent all day reading the news. I've I've just doom scrolled my way through Twitter for like you know twelve hours, uh-huh. and I've come out at the end of it. And honestly. I'm not sure what I think because, you know, there's just a lot of stuff out there. I don't know what I can trust. I don't know what's accurate and what's not accurate. No one's really gone into the depth to explain stuff to me that I want. And that's what we're trying to step in and do. We're trying to give people intelligent analysis, intelligent opinion, people who can, you know, that our writers will basically help you make sense of what's going on. And this app is basically your chance to kind of step out of the doom scroll for five or 10 minutes and read one really intelligent thing or two really intelligent things or i mean hopefully eight really intelligent things but you know personally i think if you're reading one amazing thing on this app every day then you'll be willing to pay the subscription for it that's my that's my view
0: right and that comes across because this article isn't you know your very classic inverted pyramid this is like a personal account bit featurey writing that definitely comes across it's not you know your average other stories that you probably access throughout the day it has got that as you say sort of opinion or analysis or context to it yeah
1: i mean it's just really concise it makes these points and it makes them very forcefully you know it makes the point that you know um a lot of disinformation out there is actually quite simple but we retweet it anyway because you know we're very emotional or it provokes some sort of emotional response in us and we hit the button before we think about it right but he also makes the really interesting point i think that um you know uh, actually there's no point in saying oh well it's all fake news I'm not paying attention to anything anymore because disbelieving everything is just as bad right that's the goal of disinformation is to plant those seeds of doubt is to cause the confusion is to stop people from understanding that actually there's a moral outrage going on here mm. and and there's a very clear side to be on
0: yeah and the format makes sense too I mean maybe this is just me speaking but having the the five ways the listicle kind of format makes sense for a mobile reader if you're on the train or you're you're going about your day, that's something you can easily, you know, just access if you've got your coffee or, you know, you're doing something else in the background.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're, I mean, as I said, this app is an experiment and we're just starting to gather the data now on how people are going to use it. But the hypothesis we had in our mind was, this is something interesting to read on your way to work, on your way home, when you're breaking for a cup of tea, when you're, you know, stopping for your lunchtime, sandwich and you want something to read right this is not supposed to fit into all parts of your day we've we've designed it to be very very limited in what it is we want you know there's no bells and whistles here Mm -hmm. we've gone for a horizontal scroll rather than a vertical scroll specifically because of that experience of endlessly scrolling up through a feed
0: oh you mean like alongside to pick your story on the on the on the main interface
1: exactly it goes horizontally because we're so used to just scrolling vertically and mindlessly and not focusing. We wanted people to scroll horizontally and then come to an end.
0: Yeah, like a carousel.
1: Right. There's an end point here, you know, and when you reach the end, you're done. Right. You've completed the app. There's nothing else to do.
0: A bit like a magazine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so
0: if you if you think about maybe maybe not in the same tactile way, of course, but there's it's got a it's it's finite. It ends at some point. There's a conclusion to this um, daily product.
1: Right. Well, so so in our testing, a lot of people said you know, they had they had kind of negative associations with a lot of news uh, titles, right, newspaper titles. When we asked them, okay, well, you know, do you consume this, do you consume that? They said, yes, yes, but it's very overwhelming, right? We I, I remember one focus group we did with US readers and one of them said, you know, I'm a subscriber to the New York Times and I love the New York Times, but sometimes I open up the homepage and I just don't know where to start reading because there's just so much stuff on there, right? And I don't know where to start and I don't know where to end and and then we kept asking them and they said um they gave the example of like the new yorker and the london review of books there weren't negative associations with them they were kind of positive like okay yes that's not really news even though there's a lot of news in it and i think that's where we're trying to go Mm -hmm. in that we think that we're we're a place for explanatory journalism and for analysis and you go there with a cup of tea Right. And you, you might once upon a time have sat down with a cup of tea and opened up a print newspaper or opened up a print magazine. That's really the kind of experience that we're trying to aim at with the app.
0: Hi there. Hope you're enjoying the show. Just a quick one from me and then we'll get back to the interview. Just wanted to let you know that our digital journalism conference, News Ride, is finally returning to the physical space and we can't wait to see you there. Join us on the 24th of May 2022 at News UK's stunning 17th floor space in London Bridge to hear expert panels and discussions, but most importantly, to network with your peers at last. You can take advantage of our early bird offer, which will save you £40 on your ticket. Hurry now, because the offer only lasts until the 8th of April. Head over to newswide.com to bag your ticket now. But you also make space for a restaurant review at uh, The Hand and Flowers. Why?
1: I mean, it, so so this sort of media storm over the hand of flowers kind of passed me by until I read Tim Hayward's review and then went back and and, and saw um, what everybody else had been complaining about. I mean, I was sort of vaguely aware that there was some sort of rumpus around Tom Kerridge's New pub, but I hadn't really looked at it that closely. And then I read this review and I thought, I mean, firstly, it's astonishing, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody... Being asked to pay thirty-three pounds for an omelette, is gonna it's gonna just laugh. Um, I mean, I would laugh, and I and I'm a foodie, and I. Uh, but but you know, mm-hmm. but then Tim makes a really really good case for it, right? I just thought he actually, by the time I'd finished reading his review, I was like, okay, he's actually defended the eighty-seven pound steak, and he's done it quite well because his point is there are lots of people who would drop that sort of money at a fancy haute cuisine restaurant without batting an eyelid. But because this is kind of populist food, because it's food that we all recognise, oh, well, then it can't possibly be worth that much. Um, But his point is people love it. The place is full. And actually, this sort of food is more accessible and everybody loves it. And if it's done to that level that it's worth £87 for a steak, then good on him. And I just thought, okay, you know, fair enough. It was really nicely written.
0: Yeah. So I mean, so I guess there is a tolerance there just for, you know, serendipity stories you may not expect something out of the ordinary just something to shake things up slightly in the eight
1: absolutely i mean i think that again this is all just hypothesis because we have we're not seeing the data
0: yet Mm -hmm, but
1: you know we start off the app with stuff that is quite serious you know the the big story of the day something that, that everyone's thinking about here is here's an ft take on that this edition is very uk focused this is primarily for the uk market but So there's going to be lots of UK stuff in it, but we're the FT, we're very global, so we're going to put some, some foreign reporting in there. We've got a great piece today about Viktor Orban ahead of the Hungarian election on Sunday. Again, you know, we want to flag to people that the Hungarian election is this Sunday and, you know, they should pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. But then going through it, a bit like FT weekend, you know, We have lots of FT readers who love FT Weekend and what they love about FT Weekend is that actually the FT is smart across so many different subjects, right? We've got great writing on so many different things and so we want to reflect that. We want to have the fantastic arts pieces, we want to have fantastic magazine pieces, we want to have all of that in there as well. Yeah,
0: good example of some creative writing is this fascinating kind of allegory of... Scheduling a COVID appointment—that was the final story of the day. Um, Feeling like COVID might scupper your personal plans, wanted to book it in in the future when it's not an inconvenience. But importantly, it brings into context that the current, um, you know, wave that we're experiencing and the and the policies that we have in place, you know, might not make that possible.
1: I mean, Robert Ramsay is is hilarious in my view. I mean, he's just really, really funny. And and this is something that you know, I don't know whether you're thinking it. I'm definitely thinking it. Easter holidays are here, and yet everybody outside. Definitely, you know, so many people have COVID at the moment. It's it's absolutely everywhere. And and you know, people are thinking about their Easter breaks and thinking, oh God, you know, can't we just can't we just pencil an appointment for this disease at some point later on, you know, when we're back at work.
0: To sum it up, they're testing out a mixture of serious and light-hearted stories on purpose. Hook them in with a cohesive take on the story they've been hearing about all day. Add a little something else to shake things up. And round it off with an important piece that they should be curious about. All in one product that has this sense of completion about it. In stark contrast to the endless doom scrolling many of us experience when consuming a news diet filtered through social media sites. FT Edit is not the Financial Times' first app, of course. In 2010, they launched their first news app on the iPad. In 2012, it came out on Apple, Android, and Windows. And it stood the test of time. Malcolm stressed that it will still be the main way for audiences to get their FT news on mobile devices, and instead of being replaced by FT Edit, the two apps will coexist. FT Edit by contrast provides a much simpler product, a taste of the FT at a lower price point, an expert curation of content for audiences either on the go or on the fence about paying for news. It sounds a little like the benefits of social media brought by most publishers, bringing the content audiences wanted to read to the spaces they were already in. Far from being in competition with platforms, however, Malcolm says that this app wants to be the antidote.
1: You know, I would say that I have a a conflicted uh, relationship with social media. Um, As a journalist, I'm obviously on Twitter all the time. And also as a journalist, I don't like it. I don't like the time I spend on there. And, you know, so uh, when we launched the app on Monday... I spent pretty much the whole day on Twitter because I was um, very keen to see what the response would be like. Uh, And at the end of the day, I just felt awful. I just felt exhausted and my brain was scrambled and I didn't want to spend another minute on it. I, I think where we would position ourselves is actually we're trying to be a bit of an antidote to that. Right. That's that that sort of behavior is what we are trying to step away from. And I don't think it's just the FT that's trying to offer that, by the way. I think that lots of other people are thinking, mm-hmm. lots of people feel overwhelmed. There is too much information out there. And actually, you know, what people value is a trusted guide through that information.
0: Yeah, you're you're right, because we've certainly seen last five, 10 years, this rise of slow journalism, taking a slower approach, trying to cut down the noise in, in, in the news, or at least in the social media landscape. You know, typically, what kind of stories that the FT would run are just very hard for readers to keep up to date with, where they could really benefit from something like this?
1: Whenever you've got a huge running story, like the war in Ukraine, it's very, very difficult to keep on top of all of it. Like, we're four weeks in, you know, um, our reporters and everyone else's reporters on the ground and elsewhere have pretty much been working flat out to deliver some incredible coverage From this war but but are you going to read six eight ten pieces a day on each outlet how many pieces are you going to read um i think that you know uh essentially uh, i i learned an interesting lesson when we were testing the app actually because um at the beginning of the war we were doing a study with a group of people and then that week the first week of the war I was so impressed by some of the FT coverage that I was, you know, out of the eight stories on the app, maybe four of them would be Ukraine stories. And, and at the end of the week, uh, we did the focus group and we sat down with everyone and they all said, yeah, I, I really like it, but honestly, it's too much. It's too, like four is too many. Like I'm, I'm looking for maybe one, two at the most. And so actually you know obviously as journalists we want everyone to read everything and we ourselves probably read everything but we've got to bear in mind the customer actually just wants to read one really good thing just one really good thing and that's what we're trying to do a little bit here is to say okay if you want to read one really good piece on why energy bills are going up 54 percent, or you want to read one really good piece on you know what is Vladimir Putin thinking uh, then you know come to us, we'll give you one.
0: do you worry that your readers might prefer the cheaper alternative like it could backfire that they find the the one story a day much you know cheaper and much more helpful for them um, and this could cause some kind of reverse migration. you know why am I paying the more expensive thirty five pound a month? I could just get pay five pound a month at that it's full cost and just have exactly what I need in a smaller format
1: you're right that um cannibalization is of course the You know, one of the first questions that came up as we started to develop this idea, um, because that would be a terrible outcome for us. Um, A couple of things. The first thing is, this is not your primary source of news, right? I I don't think that people will be using this to get all of their news for the day. I still think that they will need to get their news from somewhere else. And there is no news on the app either. Right. If you need if you need the sort of uh, exclusive breaking news that the FT provides, it's not going to be on the app. So I think a lot of our business uh, customers will still get a much, much richer experience from the full FT subscription. So so if you need the FT to do your job, you'll still need the FT to your job, right? This this app, I think, contains some fantastic writing, you know, some fantastic ideas, um, you know, interesting stuff from across the world, but it's it's not going to be enough for a professional reader. but we're going to be watching it, <laughs> obviously.
0: Yeah, got it. Um, I'm, I'm sure you, you'd be worried about cannibalization because you recently hit the 1 million digital subscription milestone as well. I'm wondering, you know, how much more growth do you see in the subscription market? I mean, I, I think you've been clear on this point elsewhere that, you know, this isn't really to do with uh, migrating people from, a, from social media to a mobile app to a digital subscription necessarily. But, you know, do you still feel like there's room left in the subscription journey for the FT?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we had a, uh, in common with a lot of publishers, we had an amazing year last year, we had such a huge spike in subscriptions, you know, every year, I think, um, you know, we tend to be a little bit cautious at the beginning and then and then see just this, you know, incredible growth. One of the reasons that we're able to do this new app is because of the sort of financial security um, that the last few years have provided, because the business model is so solid and because it's performing so well, that has basically given us the leeway to say, well, why don't we just experiment with seeing if there's another group of readers out there and hey, we can we can we can afford to put something out there with quite a quite an attractive price point mm. um, uh, and we've got the flexibility to do that. so I, I you know, I think that. Our, our core business is is still really strong and has a long way to to go and and particularly you know um, in the U.S. and elsewhere that's a you know it's a big target for us the U.S. sure but this app is is a growth experiment it's to see whether okay we know that FT readers like the FT but do other will other people like the FT as well.
0: Coming at this as previously working as a, a tech correspondent how much of this is also to do with like the cookie-less future? You've spoken about the large anonymous 26 million people who follow you on social media. Getting them onto an app could be a good way to sort of learn more about those readers, get some first party data.
1: Um, we're not actually collecting <laughs> very much data with the app, and we've been thinking about it a lot about what we should be collecting and what we shouldn't be collecting. Um but let's take this question in two parts. I mean, the first thing is I think the cookie-less future is slightly less uh, cookie list than we thought it was going to be, um, you know, Google uh, is developing all sorts of different ways of tracking people, and 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 I don't think that it's quite as dire for some of those publishers as it was at the beginning. The FT, of course, has always kind of been outside of that debate because you know we know our subscribers anyway we've got we've always had first party data on on ft subscribers we know who they are and, and they're a very valuable group which is you know one of the reasons why uh we've been successful um but we've always also respected the fact that ft subscribers don't wish to share very much of their data you know they don't they don't wish us to be um exploiting their data in any way and we don't and we don't do that um so we don't actually collect That much data and and i'm not sure that we would collect a huge amount with ft edit either we've been toying around with the idea of of um, asking people if they'd like to volunteer some details so for example we're very keen to attract women subscribers to ft edit so we might ask people in the registration process to say you know if if they would like to say uh what gender they are then then that would help us maybe understand a little bit more what women readers would like to read and 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 you know um adjust the the content to that but we wouldn't do that for commercial purposes
0: right okay um well finally from me then what other sort of tech possibilities advancements are kind of out there that are appealing to you just from an editorial standpoint to maybe give you some different options um with uh, the ft products
1: coming from the world of tech I'm really interested in personalization and I'm really interested in what AI could be doing, because I think ultimately, you know, people have a very narrow view of personalization and whenever, whenever you mention the word, they say, well, you know, I don't want an algorithm picking stuff for me because I don't want to be trapped in a little filter bubble. I want an editor to curate everything for me. But I mean, I think that, you know, the two can work hand in hand. I do think that every single person is going to have a slightly different editorial preference right if you asked um 100 people to pick their favorite list of stories for this new app they'd all pick a slightly different list and and i think that there's a way of doing it that could be more sophisticated than simply you know the sort of reinforcement algorithm where you know you just get more of what you've already seen i'm pretty sure that we could set interesting parameters around it and play around with the idea of of um you know saying well there are some subjects which are core and which everybody should have. But actually, you know, if we know uh, the way in which you're using the app, if we know what sort of things you're interested in over time, we could probably be more precise in serving you the content that you want and making you feel that the app kind of mm. um, understands you a little
0: bit better. Lots to Lots of watch this space kind of feelings in your responses. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, listen, Malcolm, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and sharing all your insights.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for having
0: me, Jacob. My main takeaway from this conversation is that there can be a lot more to a news app than its function as a source of direct revenue as a tool for more profitable conversions. For Edit, it's more about a whole different news experience, providing a range of articles on topics that have depth but are selectively chosen. One warning though, your new reduced offer might be so good it tempts current customers away. Differentiate hard from your other tiers of subscription, otherwise you run the risk of pre-existing subscribers switching to the cheaper option. But what do you think? You can DM or tweet me at jpdjournalism or the wider team at journalism.co.uk at journalismnews. If you'd like to feature on the show, or you've got a topic or story you want us to cover on the podcast, please do get in touch. I'm on jacob at journalism.co.uk. And finally, if you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. That way you won't miss our next exciting episode, which will round up our favourite talks and takeaways from this week's landmark International Journalism Festival out in Perugia. If you're a fan of the show, do leave us a review and a rating so others can discover these conversations for themselves. But that is all we have time for this week. I've been your host Jacob Granger, thanks so much for listening, until next time.